Spurs Film Room Live is brought to you by Fanatics, Rally House, and TicketDistributor.com. Fanatics is the global leader in licensed sports merchandise and is changing the way that fans purchase their favorite team apparel and jerseys through an innovative tech-infused approach to making and selling fan gear in today's on-demand culture. Fanatics is built for the on-demand economy and brings much-needed agility to the industry, better servicing today's passionate sports fans and their growing real-time expectation with more unique and innovative products readily available across retail channels. Fanatics is the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all of the leagues and teams that and players that you love. Spurs Film Room Live is also brought to you by Rally House, is a specialty sports boutique that offers a large selection of unique apparel, gifts, and home decor items that represent the Spurs and your favorite team. A lot of cool products that I've never seen before. Spurs logo on a couch, a rug, a table. You want that random, really cool items? Go to Rally House and check out what they have going on there. Finally, last but not least, Spurs Film Room is brought to you by TicketDistributors.com. It's a USA-based company and is located in Fort Worth, Texas. Ticket uh, Distributors was founded in 2002, and they take pride in offering a premium selection of tickets to all major events, sporting uh, sporting events, concerts, often even when they're sold out. Their prices are lower than most companies in the secondary market. And best of all, all their tickets come with a 100% back guarantee. Ticket Distributors makes every effort in offering their customers the best seats to events at the lowest prices available. Their integrity in their business is what has made them successful for over 18 years. Again, why buy your tickets at TicketDistributor.com? 100% safe buying. Over 18 years of of ticket selling, 100% guarantee, secured ordering by credit card, 24-hour customer service, great seats at great prices, and last but not least, over 10 million tickets sold in their inventory at this moment. Again, Sports uh, Spurs Film Room is brought to you by Fanatics, Rally House, and TicketDistributors.com. If you want to go shop for your Spurs gear, and or if you're looking to book a concert or sporting event, check out the descriptions, the description below the, in this video. You can find the links there. Click those links. Head over there. And now let's get on with the show. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Hey, isn't we supposed to be having a fiesta? Watch this. Nation, what's up? International friends from all over the world, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, let us know in the chat where you're hanging out, where you're watching this from. I, I like to get to know where you guys are from. And, and we had like a Thailand in here the other day, just getting all these random people. Um, but we're all Spurs Nation, so shout out, get so go Spurs, go. Very special day today here at Spurs Film Room. We got Noah Magaro George, 
from on Twitter, first off, uh, verified <laughs> on Twitter. Big deal, right? And then um, also from <laughs> where, where are you writing from, Noah? Right Pounding the Rock. Pounding the Rock. And I know you got a lot more going on too in the podcast world. I don't know if you've announced it and all that stuff yet, but uh, you know, a lot of exciting stuff there to come. Uh, Noah, first off, uh, let's just talk about where people can find you and find all your stuff. Yeah, so uh, you can find my writing on Pounding the Rock. We cover everything San Antonio Spurs, Austin Spurs. Um, you can find me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro. I do a podcast with my buddies Mac and Ty. We do At The Line podcast. And it hasn't come out yet. We are going to officially start uh, the San Antonio Spurs podcast of SB Nation in the next, uh, you know, maybe two or three weeks here. So I'm excited to get that started. New name, new branding, everything will be coming and I'll, I'll let people know that. And then last but not least, you can find me on YouTube by my name, everything San Antonio Spurs there as well. Um, and it's just no Magaro George, just my name. So um, that's where you can find me. And, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure, guys. If you want to check out his stuff, I believe the, the links are in the description below. Uh, you can go down there, click it. You can find Noah's YouTube channel. And I think I think his Twitter handle is there as well. So um, Noah, thanks for coming on, man. Today I know you're you got a busy schedule going on. You're always active in the world of Spurs Twitter and 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 all this stuff, dude. So I really appreciate it. Um, I know Spurs uh, Spurs Nation out here was excited when I told him about you coming on this week. Um, let's talk about this past season. Let's get into it. This past season, you know, ups and downs to say the least. Um, but I think there was some ups. And I'm just kind of interested to hear kind of what your positives were and some some of your high points from this past season because it's not all bad. It was it was it was great to have basketball back in general. You know what I mean? Just with the whole pandemic and everything going on. I know it was it was like rough as as you know can be on the players, but uh, you know I'm <laughs> sure that we all appreciated it just in general. But go ahead and give me your take, man, on what you liked from the season. Yeah, I mean there there were a lot of positive. From the season, I mean, they had a losing season, but I really liked what I saw from the young guys. Now, were any of them all-stars this season? No, but I thought DeJounte made incredible strides um, in his first full year removed from that ACL injury. He looked fantastic. Um, he was an all-NBA-level defender, in my opinion. Um, he grew by leaps and bounds as a distributor, as a scorer off the bounce. Um, I thought Derek looked really good when he was healthy. I liked the flashes we saw from Lonnie. Keldon looked really, really solid. Just in general, the young guys look great. And 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 last but not least, Devin Vassell. I mean, he looked pretty promising as a rookie, um, even though he was on like a low volume, sort of low usage type of role. But I really like what I saw from them. I thought that was encouraging. And just the fact that, and, and maybe you don't feel the same way. I know some fans don't feel the same way I do, but this team didn't really have many moments where I thought they gave up. Right. It felt like they fought all year long. Pop said it. Um, I agree with him on that. And there were a lot of games where I thought, OK, well, it's over. And then they, they didn't give up. Now, did they win all of those games? No, but it was really refreshing to see them just fight till the last buzzer. Um, and I was I was proud of them. You know, I was proud of them. And I was really happy with what I saw from the team as a whole, especially the young guys. There was no lack in heart in this team. And that's one of the big that's one of the big things with about the veterans that I really appreciated. Everyone likes to talk about how old Patty and Rudy are and, and, you know, but I'm pretty sure I was talking about this yesterday. I'm pretty sure they were a big part of the glue in that locker room and keeping the young guys heads on straight when things aren't going so well. And, you know, that's the type of veteran leadership that San Antonio pays for and, and expects out of these guys. And it's not just by, by chance, you know, these guys have the character and, and they mean a lot to our young guys. So no, I, I have to agree with you, man. DJ, 
you know, I, I think sooner than later, we're going to do like some type of Spurs awards, right? You know, maybe once the season's over, do like some type of MVP giveaway and all that stuff. But DJ is definitely a huge bright spot in this season. Actually seeing him take a leap forward, because I, I kind of wondered there for a season, you know, is DJ going to take that next step? And where does it come from? What area on the floor is it going to come from? And his consistency on ball, guarding on ball was just in, in, insane, intense. I mean, Absolutely. pick pockets to win games and at the end of big fourth quarter um, steals and just like, bro, just, oh, my God, on the best of the best in the league, just, you know, just flat out game to game, laid it down. And his finishing around the rim, bro, got got insanely better. I think after there was a game where he played, we played against Utah early on in the season and he had a terrible night. I think he was like yeah. three for 13 from the field, missing bunnies left and right. And ever since then, Man, I swear he he didn't miss many. He didn't miss many at the rim. So, um, DJ big bright spot. Now I don't know how you, how you feel about this. I feel like I'm guilty of this as well. Watch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm I'm guilty of it yeah. too. I don't give Demar enough love on 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 this content, you know, or whatever, and or much appreciation. I always talk about him. It's like seventy percent of the conversations about the young guys and then it's like 20 percent. yeah well tomorrow you know he's he's the guy <laughs> you know what I mean? he's like he's, <laughs> yeah he's our, he's our best player you know what i mean so i i kind of been thinking over the past few days since i gave you the rundown um demar man on a basketball standpoint watching him work this season is like freaking it was like magic bro it, it was just it's just seeing him the what he's able to do offensively on the floor his footwork um, you know, his, his, the way he was getting to the free throw line, man, he was getting like 11, 12 free throws a game most nights. Um, and just the way he scores bro on the block and just is to me, watching him work was, was such a cool thing to, to absorb this season because we really did build the team around him and to, to, to play off of DeMar. Every, everyone's role was to play off of DeMar. I think every time he was on the floor. And he didn't disappoint, man. I know in the playoff game, yeah, he, you know, that's a whole other, a whole other conversation against Memphis. But I think night in, night out, um, watching him do what he did, it was was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm guilty of it a little bit too. I mean, I think everybody, every Spurs fan probably undervalues Demar because the Spurs didn't win, and he's he's not necessarily the best fit for like a modern, you know team as the engine of an offense but he was fantastic I mean I I wrote a whole article about it so I tried to show him a little bit of love that the all-star game needs to expand the rosters because there's absolutely no reason he shouldn't have been an all-star except for that there's just so many good players in the NBA Um, but yeah he was fantastic he was uh, top 10 or top 11 in assist for the first time in his career Um, his turnover was were way down I, I don't exactly remember the exact stat but he was like one of two players in NBA history to ever average seven assists and less than two turnovers a game. Like that was incredible. He was incredible there. Um, Now he had like a 40% dip in field goal percentage. I don't think he finished at the rim as well this season, but he got to the free throw line. Like you said, a ton. Um, His footwork is immaculate. Uh, He's got every sort of pump fake ball fake that you could possibly want. He's got a very old school game and in some ways, you know, yes, it's frustrating, but in a lot of other ways, it's like a throwback that you can appreciate. He kind of reminds you of Jordan and, and Kobe in some ways when he has the ball in his hand on offense. And he really has grown a ton in San Antonio. Like when he came to San Antonio, he wasn't known as a distributor. He wasn't really an engine of an offense. He was a guy who could score, but he wasn't super efficient. 
And he just transformed his game in San Antonio in ways that I think a lot of, you know, maybe more casual viewers just don't appreciate. So I really, I really love DeMar DeRozan, the player, um, the person too. I mean, he's a fantastic dude, but, um, you know, I I think it's just so hard what they asked him to do this year, you know, be the engine of an offense in this NBA um, with, and I'm not going to say it was a bad supporting cast, but it wasn't an optimal supporting cast. And it's always yeah. going to be really hard to build a team around a guy who probably isn't the best number one option. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. He he needs to, like he can easily be a part of a championship team, but you know he needs help for sure. It's just the way the game is played. You can't you can't only you can't have anybody out there. Like Patty Mills was our best three point shooter this year. You know what I mean? I don't know if people understand that. Patty Mills shot twice as many as anybody else. And right behind him was Rudy Gay. And so it's like, okay, so, you know, on a, on a game-to-game night, that was what the formula was. And everybody else kind of had to step up. And, um, you know, just, yeah, DeMar's, DeMar was great this season. Just come, I'm kind of going off track. But, you know, I love watching him play, watching him ball up, dude. I mean, he had a lot of game winners or shots to go into overtime. Like, this guy was just cl- on another clutch gene this season. And, that, and that's where I thought they were going to give him the all-star nod over Conley was because of, he had already kind of proven that by all-star break that he is like, he was a closer. Like he has been, he was closing for us all season long in the, in the first half. And uh, uh, yeah, it's just, so, you know, shout out DeMar from this season. Um, you know, before we go on to talking about reasons to be excited for next year, uh, you know, I wanted to take this time dude, to kind of, give you a little bit of shine here on your, on your journey this year, covering the Spurs, man. I mean, we, the last time we had kind of sat down and talked was last off season, right? I think it was, we did a podcast last off season. And so I think it was there. It might even have been pre pre bubble, you know, during the quarantine. I think it was. Yeah. We talked uh, like pre bubble. We talked about Derek and DeJounte, how that might look Mm -hmm. um, in the bubble. Yeah. It was a, it was a year ago. It's been a minute. Yeah. So I, I know a lot has gone down for you, man, this year. So, uh, it's, it's a testament to just hard work paying off. And I'm a big believer in that. And, and I've seen you grinding. You've been grinding for a long time. And uh, I've been following, you know, us, me and the guys at OC, man, we all follow you. And, you know, we're all a big fan of what you do. So why don't you just like kind of take me through it, man. Take me kind of how it started and kind of some big, some big uh, moments along the way to get to this point that you're at now. Yeah, well, I think first shout out to uh, Dylan Hunter Carter from Air Alamo. He was the first person who ever gave me an opportunity to write about basketball or the Spurs or really any sports in general um, after college. Now, I wrote for my college paper. I I did some stuff at UNT, University of North Texas. But um, leaving college, he was the first person who gave me an opportunity to write. It was, you know, it was unpaid, but it was a chance, right? He gave me a chance. He let me get my voice out there. Let me get some writing out there. And then Michael DeLeon from Project Spurs reached out to me. and was like, yeah, hey, man, like, Michael. Um, you know, you, you want to write? And I, I was on board, right? I was on board with that. I wrote and then uh, Pounding the Rock came, you know, uh, into my life. And I, I kind of transitioned over there into um, just sort of an opinion writer. And then it, it just feels like everything came little by little, right? Like it, it, suddenly I had, you know, from 300 followers on Twitter to a thousand. And then from that, I had no credentials, absolutely no credentials to, I, I was approved for NBA credentials, Spurs credentials, Austin Spurs credentials, G League credentials, Hall of Fame credentials. Um, and that was surreal, you know, like sitting and it wasn't in the room with Tim Duncan, but being in a zoom room with Tim Duncan, with legitimate reporters, um, not just it San counts, Antonio man. reporters, but like national reporters. Yeah. It was surreal for me. Um, it was, it was crazy. 
there was only 77 people approved for that event. Yeah. And I was one of them. So for me, that was, that was like a big moment for me, even though I didn't get to ask Timmy a question, he only yeah. took like three questions, but, <laughs> um, man, it was, it, it was absolutely surreal. Um, and, and you're right. Like I think hard work pays off and I, I see what y'all are doing at OOC and here at Spurs film room. And, um, it's, it's really awesome to be part of, you know, this sort of, sort of Spurs media family, if you will, because, mm. It is just, it's been a ride. It's been a wild ride. And there's been ups and downs. Like you said, just with the Spurs season, there's been ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Like when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, right? I wasn't sure um, if I needed to find a new job, if mm-hmm. I needed to, you know, quit writing so that I could find a, a different occupation. Um, but I stuck it through. I've been writing. I've been doing, I, I did a bunch of scouting stuff for the last draft. Uh, it's just an, it's been a wild ride and it's, I've been appreciative for everybody who's helped me, right? Like everybody who's collaborated with me, everybody who followed me, subscribed to my YouTube channel. Like today I hit a thousand subscribers on oh, YouTube. Oh, you did? No way. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And I'm, I'm suddenly, <laughs> that's a big deal. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, and I'm eligible yeah. for like monetization now. Yeah. I mean, like a year ago when I started this, really any of this, I, I didn't think that this was even a possibility. I was hoping for something, but I knew I needed to work a little bit to help things go my way. And, and it's not just been me working, but it's been people who've supported me from my parents, my girlfriend, my friends, um, you know, other writers, just, it's been, it's been amazing. It's been really amazing. And, and my journey's not done yet. Um, but it, it feels like I'm, I'm making progress, which makes me feel good. So thank you for giving me a second to talk about myself and, and acknowledge that I've kind of come a long way from the beginning of the year. It's a grind, man. It's a grind. And, uh, you know, getting better along the way is just, is just the, the process you know, and um, hey, man, you forgot to mention putting Spurs Spurs Nation on the map, man. You you, you sat down with with uh, oh yeah, <laughs> with, you're you're Noel, make it happen, man. You sat down with Kevin O'Connor and uh, from the Ringer, dude, and I and we're all a big fan of the Ring over here, so I thought that was pretty awesome too. Yeah, and, and honestly, that was like wouldn't have been possible without Spurs fans. Like I reached yeah. out to him just in the comments because his DMs are closed and. I was like, hey, shooting my shot. I was hoping he would respond. And then I had like 100 likes and a bunch of retweets. And suddenly he was like, yeah, let's do it. And the same thing happened with Shea Serrano. We haven't sat down yet. We're still figuring out a time once he's done with this book. But, uh, man, it's just been crazy. I mean, really the support, um, the outpouring of support, the love that this community has shown me has been really um, incredible. And it's something that I did not expect, you know, because I'm just – I'm just another, you know, I'm just another writer. I'm just another dude. But um, the fact that they've embraced me and I've really been a part of this community has been awesome. It's been really, really awesome. Yeah, man. So appreciate you sharing that with with Spurs Nation. Uh, if you're listening to this, make sure that you go follow Noah um, across all the platforms that we've been talking about this whole time. He's going to be doing even doing more stuff in the future. Um, so continue to show Noah all the support that y'all have. Appreciate you guys. Um, all right, so Noah, let's let's uh. Let's take a let's take a step forward here. Um, reasons to be excited for next season. You know, there's there's a lot on the table storyline wise. I think for these young guys, right? There's 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 like Derek. It's going to be on his first fifteen million dollar contract. You know what I mean? Like you know that means that the Spurs are going to ask a lot of Derek White. Can he stay healthy? Um, you know, Devin Vassell is the real deal. What are his plans for next season? Right? Lonnie Walker is on the last year of his of his deal. And, you know, he's proven that he's he's going to go out to prove, I feel like, he deserves that extension. You know, the type of the same extension that Derek White and DeJounte got. And, you know, so there's that. And then there's also Luka Simonich. You know, he fills, a, he fills a lot of holes in this team. And is this the year that we're going to go ahead and let him 
get some run finally. And, you know, there's, there's a lot to be played out with just those guys alone. You know what I mean? And then not, not even to talk about, you know, free agency and DeMar and our bets and all that type of stuff. So, um, you know, why don't you go ahead and give me one or two reasons why you're excited and why fans should be excited. Spurs nation should be excited about next season. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to be excited about. I think it's the unknown is sort of exciting, right? They've got $51 million to spend. Not that they have to spend it all this off season. They've got a bunch of young guys. They have decisions with DeMar and Rudy Gay and Patty Mills and, you know, Trey Lyles. Um, this team could look completely different. This is really for me, and maybe this is an exaggeration a little bit, but this is the least amount of potential for continuity that we've seen maybe since the years before George Gervin. Cause like, there's always been that guy you've had the George Gervin and then you transitioned. You had like a small period where you were a lottery team and then you were David Robinson and then you had Tim Duncan. And then, you know, you had the Tony Parker's Manu Kawhi for a little bit and then LaMarcus DeMar. And now, you know, it's the unknown, but that's exciting. You know, it gives us a chance to see what are these young guys made of? What is Lucas Shamanich going to do? What is Lonnie going to do? What is Keldon going to produce like? So that for me is the most exciting thing, just the unknown and the potential for us to, to really figure out what this team is, what they have in their young guys. And then I guess the second thing for me that would be most exciting about this team is just seeing how they change their play style around whatever roster that they put out. Because I think Pop said it last year is like, look, uh, you know, we didn't make the playoffs. So obviously something's got to change. Well, this is now the second year we haven't made the playoffs. And so something still has to change, right? There's still got to be things that have got to change. So what are they going to do with the roster? How are they going to play with this roster? And so those things are what excite me because it's a lot of potential for change. And that's not something we see a lot of in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And which way are we going to pivot? Right. Which way? Because <laughs> yeah. we have to. We have, we're all going to pivot somewhere. Now, DeMar, man, I, st- I still don't want to rule out the possibility that DeMar is going to come back. Right. So I, I still think it's an it's it's an option on the table for him. Um, but looking forward. Yeah, dude, there's like DeJounte coming off of a career year, like a full like two seasons now where he's not injured. And, and I think he really tested his body and I think he's grown more confident in his body and that knee, and uh, you know, so a lot of sto- a lot of storylines to be played out. Um, you know, two reasons for me though, man. I'll, I'll go through one really quick. Uh, what are we gonna, you know, what are we gonna do about Lonnie? And I think Lonnie's a big piece into next season, but you know, where's his role gonna be? Is it gonna be off the bench? Is it gonna be in the starting unit? You know, is there gonna be a spot for him there in the starting unit? Um, based off this season, I think he played better starting than he did coming off the bench, um, in the second half towards the, towards the ending of this past season. So, um, I think Lonnie's, I had a video here the other day. I, I don't know if y'all saw his, um, Instagram post where he said he had high expectations for himself and he didn't meet them. And so he's, he's, he's hard on himself. And I think th- that type of guy is going to put in the work and I think it's going to pay off for Lonnie this year. I sure hope it does. I mean, I think he has a lot of potential and uh, I'm not sure if you agree with me, but I think out of all the young guys, I'm not saying he is the best right now, but I think he has the most potential out of all the young guys. He's got, you know, the elite athleticism. He has Mm -hmm. the potential to be a three level scorer. Um, You know, he, he does need to improve things like ball handling, um, you know, 
probably his shooting and, and finishing around the rim. But those are things that you can continue to build on as your career advances. And he's only 22 years old. And one of the things I like most is his potential as a playmaker. Like we saw DeMar really change into a legitimate playmaker, a guy who can lead in a team and assists without being inefficient. I think Lonnie has similar potential. We see him when he's able to embrace his athleticism and blow by the defense and really force it to collapse, that he can find guys on the perimeter. He has some really amazing passes, not just in transition, but when he attacked the rim, kicking it out. Um, He had some really impressive hammer passes. Um, He had some impressive wraparound passes. So I really like what we have in Lonnie. I'm not sure if he reaches his potential, but he's someone who excites me as well. Yeah, dude. So he's a great playmaker also for like the big, he's one of the few guys that can actually drive to the hoop and then not turn it over on like a dump down to Jakob for a wide open two. You know, he gets other players easy buckets. Um, Yeah. So I know I I, want to see the ball in his hands a lot more this season, especially if DeMar's not on the team. Now that's like a big, a big asterisk, right. On everything, on everything that we're going to be planning to do on the, in the future. And, um, that kind of goes to, to my next question for you. Uh, what is your best case scenario heading into Because there's, there's, there's like a million out there. I feel like this is, <laughs> this is freaking Dr. Strange and Iron Man. He's like, you know, 9 million ways this can play out. I feel like there's just as many for the, this Spurs, for the Spurs this off season, you know, the draft, uh, the, you know, who, who do we draft? Or do, we, do we draft another guard, another wing, another wing type player, or do we try to go big? Um, DeMar is a big domino here that needs to, to fall. Are we going to keep him another year or two years and try to maybe build a championship team for him? Um, or are we just going to go and, and go load with these young guys and finally let them loose? Uh, so what is your best case scenario for this season? Well, and man, I, I hate saying this cause we just praised DeMar. Um, I think everyone who watches basketball probably knows by now DeMar is not a guy you can build a championship team around. I mean, the Toronto Raptors shipped him as their franchise player away for a one-year rental of Kawhi Leonard. Um, he's been awful in the play. And I don't mean this. I mean this in a very like literal, critical sense, nothing against the guy. He's been awful in the playoffs. He's been very bad in the playoffs. He was awful in the play-in. Um, and his style of game is just not conducive to winning outside of the regular season. And the Spurs really didn't do a lot of winning even with him in the regular season. And – I think he can be someone who contributes to a winning team, right? Like I think he can contribute to someone who wins, but he can't be your number one option. He just can't at this point. He cannot, you're not going to have a guy except maybe Giannis who cannot shoot, who does not play defense, be your number one option. And Giannis, yeah, he can't shoot, but guess what? He's a defensive player of the year type candidate guy. Like that's not what DeMar is. He's one of the worst defenders in the NBA, unfortunately. And, um, they hide. They tried to hide him on defense. It didn't really work out that well. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the the ideal scenario is they let him walk because you want to find out what you have in these young guys. You're never mm-hmm. going to figure that out if Demar doesn't walk. Yeah. And if you look at what they tried to do, they tried to build a team around him they, twice, right? This season, last season, they're in the playoffs. They're in the lottery. But for me, you're you're with Demar as your best player. You're too good to be awful, mm-hmm. but you're not good enough to to be a contender so you're kind of stuck in this basketball purgatory Mm -hmm. where you don't want to be the orlando magic right you don't want to be that well we're good but we're not great 
Um, but we're bad, but we're not awful. So you don't want to be that. So I think that first and foremost, you got to move on from DeMar DeRozan. I think that's the ideal scenario. He's a fantastic player. He can help winning, but he's not where you want to be right now. Uh, and then outside of that, I think they have to add three-point shooting. You can no longer be the 30th place team, last place team yeah. in three-point attempts, and you can't do that and also be you know, 28th, 27th in three-point percentage. Like yeah. when the Spurs were 28th in three-point attempts two seasons ago, they were number one in three-point percentage. You can live, yeah. you can get along doing that. You can't when you're also bad at shooting three-pointers and you don't take very many of them. So they've got to improve the personnel there. I don't know how they do it. Do they chase a Duncan Robinson? Do they try to draft a Corey Kispert who – I like him, but Mm. I don't know you take him in the lottery. He's a guy who's already 23 years old. I don't think he has a ton Mm. of upside outside of being a sort of Joe Harris, Duncan Robinson-level shooter. Yeah. Um, Do you go for a young guy like Alperin Shingun? He's really solid. He's been outstanding in one of the best basketball leagues in the world as an Mm 18-year-old. But again, he's not a guy who's a great defender. His shooting is not really there yet. It's more theoretical than it really is tangible at the moment. Um, You know, if he develops the passing skills, maybe he can kind of continue developing the shot. He can be a sort of Nurkic light, if you Mm -hmm. will. Um, So I I don't know. I don't know what you do there. But I think figuring out what you want to be is is also part of the ideal scenario, right? You figure out what kind of team you are, what path you want to go on, and then aim for it. Because I think these last two years, for all the successes of some of the young guys, of DeMar DeRozan, um, there really hasn't been a cohesive idea of what this team is. I feel like they just kind of fly by the seat of their pants, right? They just are what we are this game, you know? So I think finding a direction and going that way is what's going to be most ideal for them because you can't be non-committal. You have to figure something out. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And I'd be very interested to see what happens to this team when all that happens. Because I think we were talking about that a little bit before we went on air. You know, if that's the move we're going to make, I don't think that we should be expecting playoffs in the next year or two seasons. And, you know, that's just realistic until somebody makes that huge step, right, and takes that all-star level, all-NBA type level step you know we've seen kind of dj take a half step towards that he's like he's shown that he can be consistent that he can be consistent at doing what he does best i think that's what dj showed us this year the year before that or two years not bubble year but the two years before that Derek white showed us a lot too Derek white a full healthy season at him at the point guard the year that dj was hurt right um i know we're going back a little bit now but i know we haven't been able to really get a we got to see what them two on the floor are together too right? As, yeah. a, as a backcourt, you know, cause we're putting in all of our marbles in on these two guys and, you know, it's like, okay, can they play together? You know, the shooting, the spacing, the floor shooting wise, you know, I think that was supposed to be Derek white this season. Um, he shot, I think the fourth amount of threes uh, or made the fourth amount of threes this season. And he only played what, like 30 games, you know, 33 games, something like that. So, yeah. it's just, you know what I mean? So he was, you can tell that the role for, for Derek was supposed to be that second guy to spread the floor, um, maybe secondary uh, ball handler. But I love – we've seen it now. We've seen a full season of Derek. We've seen a full season of DeJounte. And they're good and they're great individually. Now, what are they going to be together, right? Now, are they going to be able to make it work? Um, and then who else is going to take that next step? Is it going to be Lonnie? Is it going to be Keldon? Is Luca going to come in and finally just show the world, like, yo, I'm like one of the most talented dudes out here. 
you know, because that's what I, you know, I, I'm very high on Luca. Been since we drafted him, his skill set is off the charts. Um, it's all about the body and the confidence and the and the the knowledge and all that stuff. And I think he's taken huge steps this season. Huge steps. I remember Sean Elliott said it too during one of the games. He was like, you know, he would give Luca the most improved player award if it didn't if minutes didn't matter. Just be on the on the little things that he saw. Like he's made a huge jump, at least on the Spurs team, not in the yeah. NBA, right? But on yeah, the Spurs yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that's right on the money and he provides three point shooting as well. So he provides three. I mean, look, I think on paper, he provides three point shooting. He still hasn't really brought it to the table, but we all know we've seen him shoot. Anyone who knows anything is, you know, can knows that he's going to be a great shooter in the league because his stroke, bro, is, is just pure. He's just money on it. No hesitation. No, no extra effort. Like he doesn't force it. It's very smooth. This guy's going to have a really nice three point shot in, in this league. And um, it's only a matter of time. And then he's going to be chased off the line and go to the rim. Does what he do on on I, that case? Yeah, I, and I think that that will be the key for Luca. Um, I know a lot of people are high on him. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. I really like what he has potential wise. Um, but one of my main things, even before they drafted him, when I wrote a short scouting report on him, is he's not really a shooter. Um, he can shoot the three. He will shoot the three. But he's not really a three-point shooter. If you combine all, and I did this uh, a little bit of research before we got on, all of his career attempts from three going back to when he was a professional overseas and his G League days in NBA, he's 127 of 403. That's 31%. He's never shot above 38% for more than a five-game stretch. I mean, I think he's got some kinks in his shot where it's like, it's it's a smooth looking shot, but it's kind of flat. It's kind of slow, and I don't know what it is. I, and I'm sure you've seen it. I've never seen this before, but he stares the ball down as he shoots. Uh, and I think that's oh, yeah. a lot of his problems. Yeah, like I think yeah. he's got to get a better yeah, idea of looking that. at the rim because I'm not I'm not a shot doctor by any means. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. teach an NBA player how to shoot, but yeah, that's one of the things that I feel like is got to be impossible. I mean, I tried doing it at the gym myself, like staring <laughs> at the ball as I release it. Yeah. I missed like almost every shot. I think he can be a good shooter, but I don't yeah. think he is at this point. But what I really like about him is the ball skills. He can put the ball on the floor. He does need to shore that up, but he can put the ball mm-hmm. on the floor. He's a pretty willing and good passer, in my opinion. He has some really intriguing defensive skills in terms of being able to guard both threes and fours and also guards. Like He's got amazing foot yeah. speed. He's got pretty good footwork. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have this misconception with Luka that he's like, not that he doesn't care or maybe that he doesn't like put the effort in. I think he's yeah. just soft spoken and I don't think he's the most confident player out there. Like you said, like building confidence is going to be key mm-hmm. for him, but I think he does care. You know, I yeah. talked to him when he was in the G league, he's yeah. just a quiet kid. Like he's not loud spoken. Tim Duncan wasn't outspoken like that. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying he is Tim Duncan, but I'm saying he has a lot of potential. And I think he's yeah. also someone who Spurs fans have got to give a break to, right? Like yeah. since the day he was here and that he got drafted after, or like rather before, like guys like Matisse Tybel, Brandon Clark, Nazir Little, like Spurs fans were ready to have a riot. And I think mm-hmm. they never really gave Luka Shamanich a fair shake. And I think we've got to just let him develop on his own track because not everybody's going to come in ready to play, ready to be that star. And let's be realistic. He was drafted at 19, like to expect him to come in right away and make an instant impact after never being in the United States before, never really playing against NBA level competition before was, was really just unfair for him. So I don't want to make excuses for Luca, but I'm a huge Luca advocate as well. I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think we've got to give him a chance. The fans who are not 
you know, who aren't willing to give him a chance, please do. Yeah. Because I think he's going to be a good player down the line. Yeah, I mean, Spurs Nation, those of y'all that we're talking about, can you at least give him a year to learn how to speak English? <laughs> learn a, At least learn how to speak English well? Like, it, how long is it going to take you to, like, perfect a second language or third language? It'll take you a little while, all right? Yeah. And he's got to do it on the basketball court in real time and thinking and commu- communication. I, I, did a, I did a video, one of my videos on him in, in, earlier on in this second season was on how I felt like that had improved his communication and his awareness to communication and, and his timing with it, all that improved from year one to year two, like a huge, in a, in a huge way. So the first, the first year one, he was kind of, I mean, I saw him in Austin a few times, you know, he was a little slow on the rotation. I saw him in summer league in, in his rookie season. I saw him there too. And he just, he's been growing every single step of the way. So yeah, like give him a break. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got a huge skill set at the four spot. He might be able to play small ball five, you know what I mean? Like, I think when we brought him into the league, RC was talking about how he's one of those guys at the position that can do all the things. Like, he can dribble, pass, shoot, and you need one of those guys at your small forward, power forward position, however we want to play him. Um, and he brings that to the table. So it's just going to be a matter of time. Um, oh, but I, I wanted to say, one of my favorite parts of this season was seeing him and Trey Jones at the end of every timeout, at the end of every, <laughs> like, quarter. I mean, they're – those two guys were like the biggest like hype zone on that bench. They came out and gave everybody dabs at the at, after every timeout, and then they would give each other a dab. I don't know if you saw that. Them two yeah. would go out together, dab up everybody, and when they're the last two coming back, they'd look at each other and then dab each other up. I'm like, cool. So he's got a friend now. I'm like, Lucas got like a homie. I mean, not that. Absolutely, know, yeah. Not, I know what you that, mean. Like, yeah, not that like Keldon wasn't his friend. Like him, Keldon, and Quindary, they came into the league together. They went to Vegas together. They built – you know, that's funny because I, I remember talking about this, one of my first podcasts after they got drafted, how I felt them three, and I still believe in Quindary, but them three are going to have a long Spurs career and they're going to have such a great bond. They're going to have such a great friendship and it's going to transfer to the court. And I think that it already has. I think Luca picked up a lot from Keldon on, on like playing hard, on what playing hard in the NBA looks like and how you can be successful playing your ass off in the NBA. I think Luca learned that from Keldon playing in Austin together. Right. And so I think that's already transferring over to this season for Luca. So yeah. And, but it seems like now he's got like a cool buddy in Trey. And that was one of the highlights for this season for me, because like you said, he was 19 coming over to a different country, all that stuff, dude, that's hard. That's hard on anybody, you know, for any job that you want to go and do, go move to another country, far away from your family. And, and you know what I mean? It's, it's going to be tough. So um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out real quick about Luka. Yeah, and shout out Trey. Shout out Trey for real, yes. though, because one of the things I really loved about this season was when I was covering the G League, it's like, this guy's energy is infectious, right? Like, maybe he's not the same, like, scream out loud, like, really get hype every second, like Keldon, but he's a really, really good leader. He commanded respect from the locker room, from his teammates, um, and he he made sure his teammates' heads were up, right? And I think that was great for Luca when they came both came yeah. back from the G League together. Yeah, <clears throat> I think Trey was ready to play in the NBA. He just didn't have the opportunity yet. But I think Luca really his body language for me was like the biggest thing. The body language yeah. looked fantastic. I mean, yeah. it, he just didn't look down on himself. He was hustling every play. So I think he's taken a lot from all these other young guys. And I agree with you. I think everything that they've learned from each other, the bonds that they've formed, not just playing in the G League, but being on the bench together. That's going to be huge for them. That's going to be really huge for them. And I, that's another – you're right. That's something that def, definitely excites me. Like I'm glad to see guys who like each other. And you can tell when guys genuinely like each other and yeah. a lot of these young guys really do like each other. 
Yeah, because I think the Spurs rather see them become the face of the franchise than go out and spend in any free agent open market. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if it's not going to be DeMar, I think the Spurs would rather give these guys the opportunity to show what they can do. And uh, yeah, man. So, hey, amen. And Trey Jones, real quick, might have, if I'm, I was just thinking, if I were to rank like surprises this season, he would be up there on one of the, on like maybe top three on, I hadn't, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see how good Trey Jones was coming. And the way he played in the G League one showed me a lot. And then just showed, it just showed me what the game, what the package is, right? Now it's like, okay, can he do it on the NBA level? And when, dude, his, every time he played, he showed something, a flash of something like new, something that he's able to do. And um, it's the jump, it's the jump shot part that's like kind of non existent. Yeah. But, yeah. but, you know, other than that, I mean, he's like this small dude finishing at the rim. He's making great plays. He's, he's tough on defense. Like, I think he has like a really sneaky low sense of gravity and just like he can kind of push back. He doesn't get blown over. Like that's one of my kind of gripes on Lonnie this season was, was he was kind of a little fragile off screens and stuff like that. And Trey, Trey Jones, man, was just on another level. Um, he's a pest. Yeah. He's yeah. a pest. He's a physical dude. Um, he won ACC player of the year and defensive player of the year. So um, he was, uh, he was solid. I was really happy with that pick at 41. I don't think you get a better value in this last draft. I thought he was a first round pick. So I was happy when they got him at 41. I know he's ready. I don't know. He, he makes the Patty Mills <laughs> conversation a little bit more interesting on, on what we do with Patty Mills coming back, you know, because oh, yeah. Trey Jones, Trey Jones can be that guy. Um, I think Lonnie can be that guy off the bench. You just give the, the whole offense to, um, you know, Dev, we haven't even talked about Devin Vassell, but Devin Vassell <laughs> should be probably, you know, the second or third most uh, on our team next season in three, three point attempts. Like, like he's got to be, he's got to be up there with, with all those guys we're talking about, but all right, Noah, I don't want to keep you here any longer, man. I know you're, you're a busy guy. So uh, before I let you go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and, uh, and where they can follow your stuff. Yeah, you can find my writing at Pounding the Rock. You can follow me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro. You can find my uh, YouTube channel. It's my name, Noah Magaro George. Um, and there's a new podcast coming out. It's going to be the official San Antonio Spurs podcast of SB Nation. New name, new branding. Um, is, it hasn't dropped yet, but I will let everybody know when that drops. And thank you so much for having me on here. Uh, I absolutely love talking Spurs basketball, and it was a joy talking it with you. I had a blast. And uh, we got to do this again. I got to bring you on my channel, too, because I always have fun talking with you. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of boring out here in the Spurs world. So, no, nah, man, you're always a great time to talk Spurs basketball with. I know my listeners and my followers, they love you know hearing you talk Spurs basketball. So, so we'll definitely make it happen again, bro, sometime soon, especially uh, before draft. We'll get in a couple episodes. Sounds good. Thanks again for having me on. All right, man. Keep grinding. to be having a fiesta! Watch this.